Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. Hey team, Oliver here. Horace joins me this week for what is our 100th episode and we run through what's happened in the last two and a half years and wonder aloud what will happen in the next two or so. I want to say thanks for coming on this journey with us. I couldn't and wouldn't do this without you, our dear listeners who get to listen to me rabbit on and get excited about things most weeks. I love doing this and learning with you out in the open. I specifically want to give a shout out to Roman, who does as good a job as us in promoting each week's episode on Twitter. It's great to have you as part of this. I want to also give a shout out to our wider team, Luke, James, Chase, and the conference team, including Kat and Sophia, for all the amazing work that they've done, taking this from what was a basic podcast and idea about what micromobility could be, to now running the premier conference on micromobility globally. I'm really excited for what the future holds. Finally, I want to give a thanks to Horace who I know won't even listen to this because he doesn't like the sound of his own voice, but from whom I have learned so much. It was a dream of mine when I was younger to do something with him, and it's been a wild ride getting to work alongside him to evangelize something as exciting as micromobility. Speaking of the conference, be sure to get your tickets to Micromobility World, coming up from the 27th to the 29th of January 2021. It's going to be some of the best programming that we've ever had in this space, complete with facilitated networking for VIP ticket holders. Tickets are free until the end of the year. Check it out at micromobility.io. And now, here's Horace. Welcome back to Micromobility. Uh, Horace, we are doing episode number 100. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite a, quite a journey. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Excellent. Uh, yeah, well, I, I guess in some ways I wanted to kind of... Uh, I had asked on Twitter what, what would what would people want to cover, and there was a great one that they came through. It said, "What's changed since episode one, and what will micromobility be like when the episode two hundred is recorded?" Mm-hmm. Um, which was supported by by a number of people, and uh, so I thought maybe what we could do is talk through the what what, what have we seen because we started this and we actually started this in June twenty eighteen kind of before all of the scooter madness had even kicked off. That's right. right as it and, was kicking yeah, off. yeah. We, we, uh, we, I think we first even thought about it a little bit earlier. So let's say, you know, as early as, uh, uh, as early as spring 18. So it's been over two years, right? Two and a half. Um, so now we're recording for posterity here. We're recording on December 2020. My ninth and your 10th, I believe. 10th. Yes. Yeah. So Bird starts in September 17, and we start the podcast in June 18. Yeah, though we started talking, I think, in about March, and it yeah. just they were they're early. They had been early in the the ramp, um, and it was just just starting to kind of take off. And then that summer, when we started producing, was where when everything kind of went mad, and. Uh, Right, yeah, and my but, times. <laughs> but so then the the first time I did a, a show with micromobility as the name, and sort of kicked off the brand or kicked off the 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 term was in also in seventeen then, um, so so okay so the question is let's go back to the beginning the question was what was 
the, the, what was it like when we launched? What were our expectations? And what do we expect now um, for the next hundred? So I, I'd say, given the fact that we had, we had already the the launch of a couple of major players. We had we had uh, to me at the time was actually there was there was uh, a momentum around the idea of micromobility because it, you know although I I first started using the term in September of of seventeen. The the I'd say it was already a year, uh, kind of brewing up in my mind about what what this thing would be and the fact that e-bikes were going to take off. The fact that that at the time I was I wasn't thinking about scooters. I was thinking about e-bikes. I was thinking about shared e-bikes. I was thinking about shared bikes in general. I was thinking about mm. the um, the 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 you know the 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 the, the, the convergence of these key enablers that we talked about the cell phone or rather the smartphone the the lithium battery pack the uh, gps and avail wide availability of location which you know again again enables sharing and but bringing it down to its smallest you know viable product for transportation which would be which would be what i we ended up calling micromobility uh, so it, it was. It was kind of like I was saying. This is an obvious idea. It needs to. It's, it needs. It needs to be, encompass the various form factors that could be out there. Uh, I wasn't thinking about scooters, but I was thinking about three wheels. I was thinking about four wheels. I was thinking about motorcycles becoming electric. I was thinking about uh, 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 you know uh, golf carts, which are effectively electric vehicles. And what's going to happen at this at this low end of the electric market? And um, and then the scooter happened, and this is the this is the weird thing. I, I think that kind of um, when we launched the podcast, scooters had just been you know just starting to ramp, and uh, suddenly every all the uh, all the excitement went towards that vehicle type, and people in fact began to think that micromobility was just scooters, or or it was you know, you know it was about that form factor. And and so the, the 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 I think the struggle for me partly at the time was how do we make sure that we doesn't become a monoculture around micro uh, you know micro equals scooter how do we keep going with with the uh, you know the the variety of options and you know this last year it's kind of gone back and forth right it's gone more towards you know e-bikes is becoming really interesting um, again so uh, so there's there okay it's not a particularly compelling story now but the I, I was very concerned about at the time of the launch I was very concerned about you know whether micromobility could be uh, 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 you know a bunch of categories a bunch of devices uh, and then you know we wouldn't be we wouldn't be only thinking about scooters. That was one of the first questions I had in my mind. Um, and then evolutionary uh, story was about, you know, the iteration, the speed of iteration. How quickly could these vehicles be developed? How quickly could we get to uh, form, uh, you know, innovations of uh, uh, platforms and the things like that? Now, we, we talked about that since, but uh, it was very nervous for me that, that uh, maybe the 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 theory of micromobility. Remember, I came from a theory point of view, and I said micromobility is this 
this idea of low-end mobility that's going to evolve quickly to become more or less, a, you know, a, a universal solution and and mm-hmm. eventually consume uh, consume the car from below and um, and 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 the the there it, it just was going so fast so quickly in 2018 uh, that um, I was afraid we were going to overexpand and we would end up with uh, with a. With, a, with too much capital and with, you know, the, the trough of disillusionment and all that stuff, which actually did happen in more or less in 19. But, um, but that was, the, the, it was like a tiger by the tail. There was a, it was a very delicate moment in the history where, where you mm. kind of realize it's like in some ways the dot-com era, I don't know if people probably are too young to remember, but the, back in the late nineties, there was this thing, people knew that, that even with, AOL preceding the internet as such, right? We have we had this idea of computers being used to communicate between people, and we had this idea of of hey, how, there's this standard way of doing it called the internet that was that was you know a lot more scalable than than the private networks that existed. But nobody quite knew, you know, what would be the business models of the internet? What would be the way you could uh, you could monetize the internet because it was just it was just like a hacking thing, you know, it was a it was a was a it was a hobby for a lot of people for a long time, and uh, and there were conferences and crazy events going on in the late nineties. Nobody night you know the browser had just been put forward uh, only since about you know nineteen ninety five, and mm-hmm. um, and so there was there was there was this fervor of of anticipation. Uh, in many ways, Bitcoin is like that today. You know, and 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 so you you get you get this kind of uncertainty and unsettled feeling about wow. I hope I can I hope I can ride this. I hope I can I can I can take it and be a part of it. Um, and I hope I make some bets that are going to pay off because I could end up being all on the wrong side of of this. Uh, um, uh, uh, you know of this process, so so it was it was an interesting time. Very very, uh, it, I, you know, in retrospect, it seems like oh, we made the right call. But at the time, you're just not sure at all whether you're doing the right thing because you also got opportunity costs. You could be doing a thousand other things. So anyway, it was it was a, it was an interesting time, and I, I think my 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 hope was that the theory would come true, that the theory prediction, which is that low end mobility could be disruptive. The theory that actually this is going to be the the uh, uh, something millions of people could do and would do because it is the right product, the right jo- uh, solution to the job to be done, right? Which is short distance mm-hmm. and urban uh, urban transport and uh, all the things that actually happened. And again, it happened. It happened in 2020 in a more a ve- very let's say very unpredictable way which is that the you know a pandemic came to open a lot of people's eyes about what alternatives there are to transportation and we thought it was this would happen through through a normal process of discovery but it happened much more through a forced process of discovery and again that would be that was not something foreseen uh, in, in, in some ways, of course, we've had winners and losers, and we talked about this, but, but we're seeing a, a, a continuing uh, realization and, and almost a creation of a normative uh, behavior. The, the point about normative here, just to, just to touch on this a moment, it's like I ask myself this question all the time, is when does something go from being, uh, you know, interesting 
um, to inevitable? When does it go mm. from even being something that's that okay? I um, you know it's 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 a it's a curiosity to sort of sort of something that that you do. It could even begin as something that's uh, forbidden or that's bizarre, and that's that is the 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 kind of the flip the 180 degree flip but here we're more looking like what is the you know some people like it clearly it's not an evil thing that most people dislike turning into something everybody loves but it's something more like oh that's curious it's an it's a hobby it's a you know it's 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 a um um it's it, it's an uh, an amusement, and then it turns into something that's a necessity, and everybody th- thinks about it. Uh, and there's that there's that there's that point of pivot, that point of of what I call becoming normative. This is normal behavior as opposed to to uh, uh, unusual abnormal behavior. And so, I, I don't think we're there on the mainstream by far, but it's happening a lot faster with more people. That that it's it's a subject that is no longer. Um, uh, Taboo, or 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 out uh, left field, or in the weeds, or uh, or only for weirdos, or or uh, only for for a small number of people. So it, it's it's getting there much more quickly than we anticipated, I think. Um, and, yeah, and that's what I, one take. Yeah, totally. I mean, I I find um, I've been, <clears throat> I mean, I've been going back and listening and looking at some of the early episodes that we did, and. I remember <laughs> I had a very particular view about scooters, which I, I thought they were going to solve. They were going to be the silver bullet to a lot of problems and they were going to solve a lot of things. And I think I certainly overestimated how, uh, how quickly they would end up deploying. And also as well, this, the, the kind of constraints about caps and the ways that cities would roll them out and which sort of limited their numbers rather than looking necessarily at sort of what the market could d- dictate. It ended up being that the city had to manage all of those you know, all of the other competing things around infrastructure and not wanting to have too much scooter clutter and all that sort of stuff. So it wasn't just constrained to, to, to sort of like, you know, what's the actual demand from, from users. Um, I think the infrastructure ad- adaptation part, I've, I've certainly underestimated in terms of the time frame that it was, it's going to take to change everything and also the building regulations and zoning, et cetera, and about how we might think about rebuilding our cities around these little vehicles um, in terms of how slow i mean given that it, it took 50 years or so for us to kind of re to build out the current infrastructure that we have in most western countries um and how quickly that's happened um yeah my, and my, also as well the, the impact of you know having cars and, and and things like that so i mean look at the, the 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 my point of view started with the e-bikes and it got it had to be it had to be adjusted for 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 scooters and i had to i had to sort of recalibrate um, of my thinking about micromobility on the basis of the scooter phenomenon, and I was always a little bit more of a um, uh, skeptic about scooters being the the universal solution. In other words, for me, let's put it, put, put it this way: the scooter is not the iPhone of micromobility. Yes. It is perhaps the the you know one of the early flip phone type devices or maybe it was the blackberry or maybe not to say that it's failed you know or it would fail as as the blackberry did fail but it was more like okay this is one step on on the on the on the path forward towards uh, a more uh let's say ubiquitous form or rather maybe we'll never get there but we'll have a variety of options so maybe we'll it will not come out to be like the iphone was the 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 definitive form factor um 
you know, because I felt from the point of view of, of sort of a, a, the bicycle in general and the e-bike as an evolution of it, I thought that that had a wonderful resonance, especially in Europe, especially in Asia, as the sort of the, the, the much more acceptable option going forward, uh, fitting into the, 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 the behaviors and the distances involved and so on. So I was still very big fan of, of, uh, of the e-bike, and, and the, but the scooter was not to be uh, dismissed, and it was something I had to, I had to you know, uh, consider as a, a potentially larger install base than, than the bikes. And, uh, and sort of back and forth on that, I just couldn't quite decide whether we were, are we looking at a platform that could evolve from the point, you know, from, from a much lower starting point in terms of scooters. I remember thinking, you know, are small wheels like scooter wheels really uh, uh, adequate for all of the urban types of roads and, 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 and obstacles and things like that? And it turned out they are doing a lot better than I thought they would. I mean, I, they're a lot more applicable, you know, more appropriate for, for, more, uh, uh, for more journeys than I thought they would be. Um, and, 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 and so, but that was one of the things I was thinking in, in, in about at the time. And, um, uh, the, the, you know, your questions are a lot more around infrastructure and cities and, and, and permits that, uh, you know, politically could go, I was never concerned with that, uh, because I felt that eventually this, uh, the value proposition would be, uh, w- would be accepted, uh, and and politics is a funny business. It sometimes uh, seems like you're getting nowhere, and then suddenly there's an avalanche, and everybody's piling in. There's a lot of groupthink that happens, a lot of f- fear of missing out, and so on, from the part of the decision makers. Uh, so I was not really concerned about that, but of course, tactically speaking, that's the number one question. Um, but then, but then back to this uh, to this process of product development and, and the process of of developing uh, the business models, and uh, th- th- that's where I was not, um, you know, I, I was not sure how quickly we would see evolution there, and um, and so um, uh, the the yeah, it's it's a funny thing, you know, because I'm sure if you go back in the car industry or the PC industry, and you you forget that it wasn't a smooth adoption for either one. The automotive uh, industry had to had to contend with uh, in the U.S. Uh, in particular, there was uh, the you know the U.S. just started right after World War One, but then mm. but then you know in case of Europe, it took a lot longer uh, for adoption curves to begin. And when they they finally did start, there was, there was the intervention of World War Two. In the U.S., there was also the Depression. In World War Two, nobody made any cars uh, because they, you know they switched production to to uh, to fight the war and so on. And, and then so the, U, the European adoption curves all began after World War II. So that's a huge delay from when the U.S. started with the Model T. And, uh, and you know, we think today, of course, everyone has a car in Europe. But, but, but by, you know, it didn't happen until a lot of triggers were pulled. So you had to have the Volkswagen. You had to have the, 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 the sort of micro cars in Europe, the Mini. You had to have the Fiat 500. You had to have the Renault. Uh, on the 2CV and the Reno 4 and so on. So the, 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 the products and, and uh, the, these things didn't, didn't start until much later. And then also in the personal computer space, we had several recessions in the, in the uh, one in the early 80s. We forget about these things. We had one in the early 90s. Um, we had uh, the dot-com boom and bust. We had, uh, you, you know, 
many fits and, 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 and worries about whether this thing is actually affordable, people really like it. Uh, even the, uh, the smartphone, the smartphone began in 2007, but don't forget the Great Recession and what happened just a year later in 2008 and in 2009. So in, in the history of micromobility, we're going to look back and say, well, yes, yeah, it started with, let's say, you know, Bird. Uh, again, that might be the seminal event, but actually it started maybe even earlier with China and, in, in, you know, the bike uh, the, the, the two, yeah, in 20, 2015, 2016, yeah, like boom. Yeah, totally. Which, of course, flamed out. But then, you know, we had the scooter, uh, the scooter revolution in the United States. And then, and then that, that spread to Europe. And then, and then we had the COVID, you know. And, and people remember, like, they probably won't remember the COVID, the fact that actually that put a huge question mark over the whole space. But, but well, it did. But then everybody, I mean, this is the thing that's kind of crazy to me is that these, these industry, like if I, I've now talked to most of the major scooter players and micromobility, shared micromobility operators. And it's the thing that surprised me is Q3. Almost everybody's uh, EBIT, EBIT positive. Yeah, everybody's. I mean, aimed, we're at, they've, they've all built businesses that are making money. You know, they all aimed at that, that, that they sort of, you know, done the right things to make that happen. So, so yeah, you know, you've got uh, not just Lime and Voy now and others are, are raising money on the back of, uh, of EBIT profitability. And, and so the, the, but the thing is that, again, we had a very, very big question mark in the spring. Uh, we had continuing, la- you know, uh, uh, worries, even by the way, last year, most people are saying, "Well, this 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 scooter business or this micro mobility, there's no there's no path to profitability." Um, and yeah. you know, we had to be very defensive. I had to be very defensive with the journalists who said, "Oh, you know, do you see any company being profitable?" Of course, I can only work off of the public data, and there wasn't a lot going uh, forward uh, in in that regard. So, so the the you know, we had to, I had to say, look, in theory, it's very likely these the, you know the, the economics could work for this, but yeah, it's tough in the beginning and so on. So the my yeah, in some ways the the you know when when you look back, and this is again, we 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 when you are in the moment, all you can think about are these obstacles. You can think also about sort of. Uh, uh, life and death crises or you can think about yeah we've we've got a body blow coming from from my uh from covid we've got a uh, we've got cities who are just not letting us come in and we've got cities who are being arbitrary we've got we've got a lot of uh, negativity in the press we've got safety considerations people are 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 being hurt we can't this is this is this is but again I go back in history and I ask the same questions. What were the pitfalls and, and concerns for every industry that was born? Remember in the early cell phone years, people said these things will give you cancer or brain tumors or, or you know, that radiation is, is, is you know, the, the big word. And, and, and people were having conferences and all the journalists were asking about, you know, is this, is this technology going to be safe? Same thing with Wi-Fi. Same thing with... You know, obviously the car, the personal computer had all its all of its detractors. So, you know, there's a great podcast, by the way, called the Pessimists Archive, which is like going back in history and showing how much fear and how much uh, 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 how much um, uh, how many. Well, pessimism, really, that's what it's about. Uh, It it, it was existing at every technology 
at the birth of every technology, the beginning of every adoption curve, uh, and and how the pessimist archive. I've not heard of this. Oh, this is great. it's brilliant! I follow yeah. them on Twitter as well, and it's just like this constant deluge of news articles. And so, so the the I, I forgot his name, but the author of it is is goes in the archives and pulls these old newspaper clippings about uh, you know how. Uh, the bicycle is going to, you know, make women uh, go literally insane uh, because of- yeah. Well, certainly, uh, yes. The idea that the bike would provide more flexibility and transport is one of those things that I think uh, really would have freaked a lot of people out. But it wasn't days. just that; it was um, but people were were objecting along these these same objections that we see today to a lot of technology adoptions you know there were there were the, the the point being that again when you were in the moment you were worried about existential issues you're worried about tactical issues you're worried about things that could kill you at any moment but when you go back through the arc of history you don't even realize that these problems existed you don't remember you know we've we've had a pandemic in 1918 and by the way that was the same year the Ford Model T started taking off mm-hmm. so who, who goes back and asks these questions about what was the re, what was the impact of pandemics wars uh and and uh depressions or recessions or political upheavals that you may have you know the changing government god forbid you know you go from one regime to another you go through all of this 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 drama in politics and what is the effect on the adoption of a particular technology we don't remember these things how much of the interplay between politics and or uh, uh you know macroeconomics affected the rise of the refrigerator who can answer this question? Right. Of course we have refrigerators. Everybody has refrigerators and you think it's an on-off switch. It would, one, one year we don't have any, in the next few years everybody's got a refrigerator or a washing machine or electricity or uh, you know radios or uh, 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 air conditioning or what have you. you know, these things, and so the, my point is that micromobility fits within one of these uh, 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 adoption curves where you go through an S curve going from nobody using it to everybody using it or, or you know let's say a, a, a vast majority using it now during that process of adoption historically again it looks almost like a step function you go back far enough you zoom out far enough it goes it looks like a zero to one switch on going off uh, so a switch going on um, but during it it's extremely extremely scary and extremely uh, uh, hectic and dramatic and there's a lot of there's a lot of stories there's a lot of uh uh uh, things going wrong and there's a lot of uh also uh, people who um become protagonists in the story there's a lot of characters in the play and and during those those few years those those you know dramatic moments uh you go back to the history of aviation and you may only know that the Wright brothers, for example, are credited with inventing the airplane, but there's a lot of other people that got involved in perfecting it and, and commercializing it and actually creating an industry around it. And, and the Wright brothers, by the way, did none of those things. Um, and so, yeah. so you, you, get this, you get this question, in, in, you know, because this, we're reflecting now today on, 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 on you know, the, the brief history of micromobility um, and, and what was it like? What did it feel like from day one? What did it feel like now in day or episode 100? Um, it, it, 
we can go back and point out these dramatic moments, but I like to zoom out and say, we are on an S-curve. That S-curve was going to have a few bumps along the way. That's, that's a given. Sometimes it goes too fast and sometimes it goes uh, too slow. And sometimes it, it just seems to be, uh, uh, you know, full of doubt. But it's still going, in my opinion, exactly in the direction we want, which is up. And, mm. you know, exactly toward the goal we seek, which is a large number of people, if not a majority of people, using this, uh, this form of transport. So I'm, I'm yeah. still confident. Oh, I, I, I am as well. I think that the, the, the part that was interesting for me is when we started this, I knew people who had e-bikes uh, or knew about scooters or whatever, but it, the, the, the sort of, um, you know, the rise of how quickly, as you say, it's become normalized that that is, uh, you know, and, and it shows up, how, how it shows up is people just being like, well, that's just standard. Any city that you go to is probably going to have scooters. That Porsche, when it does a deal, like when it makes a video of its new electric vehicle, includes e-bikes in the garage as the car pulls into it. And as well, that also as well, when you look at the, the sales data, it, we go from a small percentage of e-bikes to now in the Netherlands, at least over half of all bikes sold are now e-bikes. Mm. And it still feels to me like we're at the point where nobody's talking about it. You know, if you look at, for example, the the conversations that oftentimes happen in the infrastructure world, and I'm looking at the new Biden administration, which is coming in in the US at the moment, like they've met, they mentioned micromobility as one of the things that they would be trying to do in their transport plan, but it is not a kind of a key driver. There isn't yet enough there around research, around kind of grunty underlying industry bodies that are very good at lobbying, that are able to unlock billions of dollars of infrastructure and or subsidies to be able to kind of make this, drive this forward. And so, I don't know, I'm, 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 you know, when we, when we ask about where we're going to be at episode 200, where do you, you know, for me, I think it comes back to that space of, or, or it comes back to, we will, we will see it being cited in really boring ways. Mm. It will just be a default setting that that's how you build if you're building in urban infrastructure you of course make space on your in your street space allocation for micro mobility you know like how could you not right that's where the majority of the vehicles are going right so um let's ask, let me try to answer the question of of where we're going to be in the 100 uh more episodes and i think that the um uh, the the this was i think the word you use the great word is, is sort of it'll be boring um that's that's wonderful um uh, if it happens that it is to me that would mean uh well of course it's one of the ways that that people get around and of course it's going to be uh normal to some degree that it isn't it's boring because it isn't new anymore and it's it's uh it's it's kind of established itself as an alternative and um and that would be one achievement uh will it happen in 100 episodes which i don't know how far that would be to let's say assume we keep up the same rate it'll be two years from now um the the uh yeah i think in two years we certainly achieve boredom uh that that would be great um, but also, I hope in two years, we're going to see some major 
uh, announcements, and that might be part of the boredom. Uh, we're going to see major announcements from uh, from large technology companies. I, I think about uh, uh, I'm thinking about um, uh, Amazon. I'm thinking about uh, Google, and I'm thinking about Apple. The you know the usual suspects, if you will, mm-hmm. um, becoming uh, very much involved in micromobility. Um, and, and 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 being explicit in their strategies w- towards it, so uh, we'll also probably see other uh, incumbents in in not in just in technology but in transportation having a strategy around micromobility. And I think this will be not you know we think of the usual suspects in in the automotive space, but I'm thinking more like in the supply chain. I'm thinking mo- more about car uh, you know car car part suppliers thinking about themselves as being also micromobility part suppliers um and that may you know involve batteries and may involve motors uh we're going to see more and more of that and we're going to see uh you know uh, uh safety concerns being taken seriously at a, at a standards body point of view uh I, I think also one of the other things i'm looking forward to is to see active competition uh, in, in uh, sorry, I should say sporting uh, 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 level of competition. What is that? Motorsport or, or something yep. like that. That's something I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very keen to see happen. And, and so uh, sanctioned motorsports with micromobility, I'm, I'm, I think that'll be happening in two years. I think the, 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 from the, back to the question about big announcements from big players, it won't be necessarily that they'll launch their own service or they'll launch their own vehicle. I'm thinking more that they'll be supporting micromobility, if, if nothing else. Uh, but they'll be supporting micromobility as, let's say, uh, 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 in the case of, of maps, they'll be support specifically to tailor to the to that to the to the micro uh, 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 modes. Uh, as as you know, to 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 book uh, a, a trip this way. Already, of course, you know Google surfaces Lime, but it'll be more more mature and more advanced. Uh, potentially from from Amazon, also the use of micromobility for delivery. That's another thing I hope to see in the next two years. Is is move, And by the way, I, I must give a a, a mea culpa here. Uh, or, you know, I must admit a, f- uh, a mistake, which is that in the very, very beginning, when we were asking ourselves, what is the definition of micromobility? I said, I believe it is personal mobility. Remember, we debated whether it has to have a motor and whether it has to be electric or motor or so on. And I try to put forward mm-hmm. this idea that it's just the minimally defined uh, as, as a weight class. But I, I, I made one mistake, which was that I said it's about moving people. And I think that the, the, we need to expand that definition to, or rather, remove the people requirement because I see a great potential for, for, uh, for delivery. I see, so therefore, not moving people, but moving goods. Uh, I see a great opportunity even for autonomy. So we, we should not think of it as delivering people uh, or personal transport, but we should think of it as any transport uh, you know, using the small vehicle idea, but using it to deliver food, to deliver, you know, uh, packages, medicines, what not, what, what, whatever needs to be moved is going to get moved through micro. And that's very important to make that distinction. And I think that's where the Amazon would step up and say, hey, this improves our logistics immensely. The, 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 the cost of the last mile is the biggest cost 
for any transportation network, whether it's people or not. So it's 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 one thing I'd like to see uh, uh, developed in the next two years is this idea of of micro delivery and micro um, uh, micro logistics. I don't know which term is more appropriate, but something along those lines, and that that could be yet another boost to the uh, to the whole sector because. Uh, that becomes a really strong ROI argument as opposed to, well, is it a market for smiles? It won't be a market for smiles when it comes to, to, to logistics. It'll be really a market for, for efficiency. And, uh, and that would be good because that, that, of course, actually benefits all, all the other uh, modes as well. So, yeah, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And will we get there in two years? I think it's possible, very likely possible because again, the, 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 the development times are so quick and, and we've seen so much more development going into, into the vehicles in the last two years. Mm, mm. I think we've, we've also covered off as well on the, on the, the, the heavy micromobility episode where we think the heavy aspect is gonna go, which is that it's taken longer than we thought it would, but there's still lots of potential in that space. And certainly as you talk about things like delivery, I think that's where we're really going to see a lot of stuff in that space. Um, yeah, I know. Heavy is, heavy is also going to expand. Will it be in two years? Um, you know, because I, I don't think as, as necessarily that tramp, you know, like the delivery business. Think, let, let think about it from Amazon's point of view. They're moving towards a just-in-time delivery process where you're saying, okay, uh, how many items can we deliver to how many people in how many areas uh, in a in a 24-hour period? And if you add micro to the mix, you can certainly serve urban cores a lot more quickly. Uh, you can stage goods in, in different ways and so on. So they might still be using the, the same technology that we see people use in micro today, which is, uh, which is uh, uh, e-bike, cargo bike, uh, maybe maybe even a scooter to to get that last mile done and and uh, and and when you think about trying to drive a truck as as let's say uh, Amazon or UPS does already Amazon has downsized the usual delivery vehicles they've gone to a van as opposed to a truck remember U, UPS was a truck mm, FedEx mm-hmm. was a truck Amazon's a van now if you go yeah. you know why because they you know they got to hustle or they got to move these things more quickly and it's more efficient and costs less and they can go electric quickly with those and i know they're doing all of these things so so imagine then they go to a, a you know especially for urban core they go they go to downsize even further maybe it'll be a cargo bike uh, maybe it'll be a bespoke type of vehicle but when amazon puts their mind to it i mean it's not going to be like their decision process is, is very very much about efficiency and about you know optimization. So I see that as a very probable thing in the next two years, uh, at least an announcement in that direction. The other big question in my mind is whether we're going to see a, a, a shift in the mentality of of. So right now there's a lot of energy on the EV sector, like we're seeing it in Tesla. We're seeing, in fact, you know Tesla Tesla market cap now becoming larger than the entire auto industry put together. Um, we're seeing at the same time uh, uh, announcements about uh, countries uh, saying we're going to ban internal combustion engine sales after a certain date. So there's a competition almost like, hey, we, 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 we said 2030, uh, you said 2035, you know. Um, and, and so, you know, you've got the UK, now even Japan 
Japan, by the way, is a laggard in EV adoption. Japan is a laggard in the EV development because we don't hear too much about you know full EV, BEV, Toyotas and and Mazdas and 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 totally. I mean, the country itself has pursued a very hydrogen-heavy strategy. Well, as well. I, I, not, not just hydrogen, but I mean, Toyota is a leader in hybrids. But the, you know, they're not going full BEV. There's just and hybrid is internal combustion plus electric. Now, if the if the country bans it and gives an incentive to, don't forget, very very, the country is very uh, uh, oriented around industrial policy. So so this is a very strong signal to this industry that you need to switch quickly uh, to battery electric. Let's assume let's assume this. I mean, I'm just mm. putting it out mm-hmm. there. Now, now the point is that there's so much energy and therefore so much capital now allocated in the form of investment by the OEMs, by by uh, the assumed assumed by 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 governments as well. And I, I think I've made this this uh, uh, graph once. I made a table at least. I remember of how much money is being invested in electric vehicles, how much money is being invested in sharing, how much money is being invested in oh, sharing cars uh, and, and in, uh, in autonomy. It's, it's kind of this, this, you know, the case stack. I, I, I borrowed it from McKinsey where, where they, they put these, these, these category of investments according to these new technologies, the, com- you know, the, the connected uh, um, autonomous shared and electric. These are the big the C-A-S-E, right? They, 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 yeah. they put these things and, and put dollar figures next to all the, all the letters in case. And, the num- and then I, I said, oh, you, you know, if you were to then put a similar number next to micromobility, it would be like almost invisible on, on, that, on that graph. It was just like that, that sliver of, of investment relative to the other bar graph uh, for, for the other uh, four giant, uh, mm. you know. What I hope to see in two years is not that the micro will grow much thicker, I, I think it will, but that's the point would be that energy uh, in terms of mind share and the number of people who are actually paying attention is going to shift over to micro dramatically. So we might actually end up with a new acronym, like, you know, case plus M or, uh, uh, or M case or something like that. So micro becomes, right. micro becomes one of the big, big investment categories for transportation, you know, transformation. And, and maybe even to the expense of the others. Now, I don't know how to, you know, I, I tend to think that autonomy is kind of a red herring. I think it's a, it's a wild goose chase. It's going to happen for 20 years. All of that money burned is going to get burned. I mean, it's just a big bonfire right now. Um, and increasingly, yeah. <laughs> we're going to see that change. But to see in two years them, that, that the, the, the micro gets elevated at least equal to the others in terms of mindshare, to the other four. So again, it'll become five. Or even to the point where people will say, you know what, maybe this is actually bigger than the others. I would certainly say so. But will that happen in two years that, that the, the, the perception, and, and, and right now the, the capital certainly follows perception, but th- that is, yeah. That's what I hope to see is, is that the, the, the conversation will shift away from why, why is Tesla worth uh, uh, $600 billion to, to, hey, wait a minute, these guys actually have 
a hundred times more vehicles on the street. There's a lot more people using them. There's a lot more miles being driven on them and so on and so on. Although maybe the miles will not be driven on them as many, but the trips will be there. So that's, that's one yeah. of the questions about the next two years is whether we'll see. So this is, this is kind of like the, the tests of whether we're succeeding. Um, are we getting, are we getting micro being, becoming the M in, in the, in, in the, uh, addition to the case, um, will, mm -hmm. will, will, will micro be something that people, now you mentioned the political angle and, and, uh, and the new administration that certainly will be in, 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 in will they be putting out industrial policy? Now it's not just the United States, but Japan needs to do this. The European Union needs to do this. China needs to do this in the form of saying, hey, we're elevating micro now to a strategic, you know, initiative, it's, it's about, and certainly it's going to have far more impact on carbon, I think. Um, but, but, you know, this is going to meet our goals for, for uh, sequestering, or, or not sequestering, but, but eliminating carbon emissions. But, yeah, really, really, yeah, mitigating new emission growth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and how, I can't predict this political process, but the thing is that, that people will latch onto micromobility for uh, uh, a bunch of reasons. One, that it makes good economic sense. Two, that it makes good environmental sense. Three, that it makes gr great uh, sense for, for uh, efficiency gains and, and also the cohesiveness of cities and, and the, the equity in cities that needs to be developed. So the, the, all those benefits will become part of the discussion, not just among us, which of course we are, we are its advocates, but also amongst the 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 people are now obsessed or wrong word uh people are concerned with uh, with transportation policy people who are also uh, concerned with environmental policy and um and and hopefully it'll climb up to that level in two years and and it'll become a a uh, uh you know a, 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 as as a um I don't know what the right word is—a buzzword, as a, as a, as a, as something that people will 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 throw down the same with the same uh, uh, ease and 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 enthusiasm as they do today for, uh, let's say, uh, being being carbon neutral uh, uh, or or being um, uh, uh, being the the choice of a new generation, <laughs> for lack of a better yeah, term. Yeah, completely. I. I I wouldn't be surprised either. I, I've been the the thing that has has really uh, I, I'm still trying to be, get my head around is why with all the conversation about climate change is micromobility not front and center? And I think a little bit of that has to do with storytelling and the fact that we uh, you know uh, micromobility proponents necessarily haven't been in the room, which is oftentimes the conversation. And I think about this in the case of. Um, uh, locally here where the climate we have a group called the climate change commission uh, who, who are a national body have been set up and their, their remit is to go and look at ways that we can transition and do things like mode shift etc uh, and or try and um, take for example the transport sector and say we're going to rapidly reduce or we're going to rapidly try and transition across to low to, to low carbon and i know that for example similar similar efforts are going on in the us and in europe um, but the people who are in that conversation are the existing are the existing manufacturers of vehicles who obviously are all car makers. <laughs> mm. And 
there's this interesting uh, dynamic, which is, well, if you now have, if you are seeing a sort of a disruptive, um, the, if you have a disruptive uh, uh, movement, it's, it would be like asking in the people who are, you know, phone manufacturers back in 2008 and saying, well, what's the world going to look like in, in, in about 10 years time? And they'll have their view, but it's going to be wrong because right. it's especially pretty much going to be Samsung and Apple who will be selling it, you know? Yeah, especially at the time where we're being asked to, to contribute to the policy related to landlines or, or you know... Exactly. Because, because you're dealing with... Uh, with you dealing with an incumbency that that assumes the world works a certain way and does not comprehend or or con- contemplate or, or 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 consider the possibility that it would shift dramatically in in a different direction. But again, this is the question: How fast? I think that's the point of the, of the crux of this matter. Is it yeah. possible in two years to have this conversation shift to what is an obvious future? To have this conversation shift towards the the you know having a seat at the table where micro joins the forum of of uh, uh or, or candidates of of trying to, that that are credible alternatives to you know to solving these problems on the other hand let me posit this that perhaps the true disruptor is the one that does not get invited the true disruptor is the one who is uh con- always on the outside is not doesn't join the 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 case terminology, if you will, from the McKinsey's of the world, and and mm-hmm. and is is always the the shunned and um and and dismissed. I mean, to me, to me, poetically, and also I think from a theoretical point of view, that is the most probable way of of being successful. Um, although, again, at some point, there's a tipping point. Where where yes. where people actually completely even forget about the alternative, and they're all focused. So one way to think about it: Hey, do we want a seat at the table, or do we want to be the only one at the table? The really, the really, the the fact that the others were 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 never contenders to begin with. Um, uh, again, I don't want to be an exclusion uh, or or someone excluding people. I I, I want to. I want to somehow find a way to 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 become a successful in a cooperative fashion, but the reality tends to be that the right solution is incompatible with the with with the sort of compromises that are necessary when when you're in a um, uh, in this kind of uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know what's the right word in 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 a in a in a, in a kind of um, cartel of ideas. Um, it, it's 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 a it's an ongoing struggle, and I, I, this is where where I think the real question will be about in the time frame we're looking at. In the time frame, um, is micro going to be uh, part of the solution or the only solution? That that that's going to have to be determined. Um, oh, I don't even think I'm not even going that far. I'm just like, are we? Is there going to be a seat at the table? And I hear you about wanting to be, you know, obviously start your own table and have everybody come across there and you realize that a lot of the, um, you know, it, it, it comes down to conversations in which you kind of have to say to the car makers, look, I get what you're trying to do just in urban context. It's kind of an, you know, they, they have a small part to play. Turns out that um, the growth in that is going to be irrelevant. We don't want to be doing any growth. We want to be shifting like we are in Paris and Oslo and all these others to be removing you from cities. And that 
yes, I hear you, you might have an important part to play, but we actually wanna to talk to the people who are gonna be where the growth is. And just whether or not that conversation is going to be substantive and how how that will happen. I think about things like, um, I know that the World Economic Forum has been doing a lot of work in the car space and looking at mobility and things like that. But you know, there are still only early days of research happening about micromobility. And it still feels like it's still a bit of a niche subject that a bunch of kind of, it is, it is. you know, uh, somewhat rebellious academics are going off and studying rather than, you know, this is the thing that of course everybody studies. Right, you know, right. it's, it's standard part of the engineering when you go and do traffic engineering that you think about micromobility because it's the fastest growing area of um, transport, for example. Again, I, I understand and I, 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 I completely would be you know, in my, it's 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 perfectly natural to assume that things will change gradually or slowly. But the question is mostly like again, we're looking at a two-year horizon. How much can change yeah. in two years? Surprising. So so here's the thing: it's a non-linear process. Uh, adoption adoption is an, is is not a straight line. It is a curve. And that means in the beginning, it feels like not much is happening. Then suddenly it really picks up. Sometimes people call it a hockey stick, but it, I don't. I never understood that because, by the way, I, I no graph I look at is looks like a hockey stick. Um, <laughs> I think of a hockey stick as being a big L, and it's not an L. It's an S. Um, yeah. So it's it's an S curve, and that is nonlinear. Sometimes that S curve is very steep, and it feels more like a. A, a switch going on um, and in that case it looks more like a what's called a step function it goes like straight up to to something else of course if you zoom far back and out then it looks like a step function but but the thing is that it just where is that point of acceleration where's that point where we go from hey we're making good progress to like oh my god it's all gonna flip over and it, it's very hard to call um, one thing, I don't know if I mentioned it on this show, but I just want to point out one weird thing that happens about studying S-curves. Sometimes an S-curve, don't forget the objective is goes, it goes from zero to one, it goes or from zero to 100 and percent. And so you, you, go, you go up that curve and you can go, let's say it could take you 10 years to do this, but imagine that that 10 years is spent in this in a, in a sort of a gradual continuous process or it could be that for nine years nothing happens and then suddenly mm -hmm. in the last year it goes almost straight up remember it's still an s-curve but it's a very steep one now there's a class of that's what i studied for a while i try to identify how different things can be for different technologies and one of the things i observed by looking at the, uh, by categorizing into there's consumer adoption and there's institutional adoption. By institutional adoption, it means that the buyer is not the end user. The buyer is usually like Steve Jobs would say, would be an intermediary or an orifice that you have to pass through in order to get that decision made. So what are the mm -hmm. good examples? Of course, you have an enterprise purchasing of things. So before the personal computer, we had computing, but you had computing that was being you know, bought by large companies or governments, and, and how did they adopt computing versus how consumers did? Or you go back in time as well to look at things which are only bought by large, large enterprises. So for example, uh, what about x-ray machines for, uh, for hospitals? What about pollution, mm. pollution controls for uh, you know, uh, paper mills? 
you know, paper mills had to switch over. What about the adoption of container, container ports? This is the number of ports in the world that accept containers as the only, you know, way of unloading a ship. And that was a very important technology, by the way. And all these other technologies, obviously x-rays or, or computer tomography, which is, you know, CAT scans or, or uh, pollution controls. And you look at all these technologies historically and ask yourself, did they get adopted faster or slower than a contemporary consumer technology? And the, my observation, again, it's a purely empirical kind of uh, looking with the naked eye is is that is that the invention of all of these technologies preceded their adoptions by decades so we had for example containers being demonstrated but nobody buying them for a long time and when finally they do get accepted then every port in the world switches like it within a decade imagine that you're waiting and waiting, you invent the thing, you wait and wait and nothing happens and suddenly everybody goes together. Same thing with x-rays, same thing with pollution controls, same thing with, uh, with uh, um, you know, large computers. And what, what it means to me, and this is why it's important to micromobility, is that it, one of the main buyers of it is the city, is the government, is and through infrastructure decisions, like you said, all the way from the local to the federal level, or even into the international mm -hmm. level. And the way, the way you need to understand their behavior is the way you look back and you ask, why did it take so long for the x-ray to get into every hospital? And my point there is this, the reason I think this is happening, is that institutional buyers are looking over their shoulder a lot more at their peers they're looking at, at consensus for their decision because they don't want to be alone out there. In other words, they're not as easily divided into early adopters, middle and late adopters because in many ways, they're all effectively laggards. They're all waiting for confirmation for their decision. So they have very little courage to be first because it's their job of the line and then by the way, Personally, they don't benefit so much from being first. They don't benefit from much from having leadership. They benefit very little from doing the right thing, but they have a huge expense or cost if they do the wrong thing. So they're always a bit mm -hmm. cautious. This is why they decide in, in, this, in kind of a group way. They say things like, well, you know, is it an industry standard? If so, they will go ahead. Um, has this been sort of cleared by some... From, from some safety point of view, have we all agreed that this is the right thing to do? And then when that happens, it's almost like you can't not do it because at that moment, it becomes instantly accepted, instantly normative. And this is why yeah. this is why institutional buyers, this, this is a very important distinction again, institutional buyers are tend to operate very, very much together, almost in a collusion to adopt. Whereas they delay that decision as late as possible, but when they go, they go very quickly. Now, as a result, you might still get to 90% adoption with an institutional buyer at the same moment as you do when you have a gradual consumer process. In other words, remember that S-curve. Yeah, it may start early for the consumer, but because they're slow, overall in adopting they go up the curve 
relatively slowly. So both in that in that 10 time, 10 year time frame, both got to 100% in 10 years. It's just mm. the last mm. it's just the institutions all did it in the year 9 and the consumers were already at 50% in year 5. So by year yeah. five, you're making money and you're being successful selling to consumers, and you're like, the hell with these guys with the with the you know, they're never gonna come around. So you don't pay any attention to the institutions, but then they they finally all pile in at this last minute and they all get up the curve very quickly. So who's right and who's wrong? Well, obviously, from a point of view of a of a you know a company that's trying to develop this stuff. You want to go up the consumer curve because that gives you a lot of learning capability and you're able to adjust the product as you go up. And, and what actually happens with the institutional buyers is they're looking over their shoulder also the consumer market and they're saying, oh, okay, it's getting better or better, but we're not going in yet. So my point about micro is that you need the buy-in from the consumer, but you also need the buy-in from the institution, which is the effectively the infrastructure supplier. And so when you, mm-hmm. when you, when you ask mm-hmm. this question, it's like, well, chicken and egg, well, look, you guys, I know you're waiting for, for something. You're waiting for clear signals. You're waiting for consensus. You're waiting for this thing being normal. You're waiting for this thing being being a majority of your users using it before you pull the trigger and doing the right thing. And then we can't get mad at them. You know, it's it, it's tempting to say, hey, just don't be stupid. Move early. Be, be a- well, it's, it, it appears obvious, but at the same time as well, they're constrained by all of yeah. the other factors. Yeah, that are they're constrained by so much that we, we, yeah, we don't understand their job or their mentality because we tend to be, you know, individuals acting on our, our sense of, of what's, what's, what's good for us and also what's good for the world. But they have to think about what's good within their organization they live in. And that's fundamentally what they're hired to do. That is their job. And of course, they're mm-hmm. acting as a fiduciary or they're acting as a, a you know, a, a person responsible for other people's money or other people's, uh, you know, a professional investor or a professional decision maker is doing it because on, on behalf of something else, not themselves. And that's the thing is like they have to look out for, for, for someone else. And, and that that mm. that delays and delays and delays, and that causes this again this this uh, strange for us uh, laggard behavior. And you know you know it's the right thing. You'll be saving lives doing this. You'll be saving the planet doing this. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, but procedures do not allow me to do this. As much as I like you, by the way, I can't. So the the, the what I'm what I'm. I'm putting forward that you know again this is why it's so non-linear it's also because it depends on multiple factors it might all come together in a rather late way because everybody has to work together but that does not that should not discourage us from making the 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 s curve for the consumer as 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 steep and 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 effective as possible including the business models because that's the signaling method to, to the institutions to adopt and to, to do it mm-hmm. so you can't again in in this chicken and egg problem we, we we must be the egg we must be the ones that deal with with uh, let's make sure the consumer is absolutely delighted and will put pressure on the institutions to to come along come along because it is it is the same thing it was the same thing for personal computing it was the same thing for cell phones and smartphones is that it had to be fed from a low bar you know from the, the grassroots effort as opposed to to sort of saying wait let's just wait for let's just wait for 5g only 5g is good enough 
you know, if, 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 you, if I'm going to get a cell phone, I'm going to only get as high 5G. No, no, no. It started even before 3G. It started with, with really crappy networks. It started with, with, mm-hmm. with poor bandwidth. It started with, and, and those early buyers, they were the ones who ended up financing and bringing to, to, you know, to the minds of the institutions the need to invest heavily and, 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 and did so in a very, very, um, you know, fantastic kind of uh, collaborative way. So, I, I, mm. yeah, I, it's just a little bit of an anecdote, but I, I, I'm pointing out the, 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 the frustrations that you may feel that you're not getting adoption, you're not getting institutional buyers, you're not getting all these other people to come online. Um, do not uh, worry because oh, worry, but do, do not despair. Do not despair because the 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 there there are people who are not doing things fast enough, or they don't seem to get it. It it, it is historically consistent. Again, this process is consistent over time the reasons why it is this way that doesn't mean you should be complacent you should still push it always got pushed even in the past but it is inevitable they will be adopted and and so so let's push as fast as hard as possible to get as fast as the adoption as possible and uh but but understand the process understand it's it's it, it it's got its own kind of let's say speed limit um mm, mm. Well, I feel like a lot of these podcasts, Horace, are you telling me that I just need to be patient? And, I, uh, it's <laughs> on one hand, I tell you to be patient, but I tell the world, um, and, and I, I should tell you know everybody else who's not in micromobility that this thing is going to hit you really, really fast because they're, they're on a different clock cycle. We are on a, on a different cycle. We are very, very, very uh, uh, impatient, but... The, the the world tends to to they tend they tend to think it's happening too fast we tend to think it's happening mm. too slow and and it's somehow finding a balance and um i i i'm still very confident again this is the number one question i always say i i have no problem predicting the future what my problem is predicting when it will happen and that's the only difference between a futurist and a billionaire because the futurist can predict all he wants or she wants but the 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 billionaire is the one who knows how when one thing will happen if i could tell you when the uh, (laughs) stock will go up then you don't need to know anything about it Uh, you don't need to know any any um um any of the uh yeah um it, it, it's 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 timing is everything, and timing here is I think the crux of the question we're being asked is what will we see? Yeah, well, I mean, totally. Well, it's it's it, it just ref- for me. I'm really looking forward to the next hundred because I feel like it's going to be an interesting period, and I feel like there will be a lot to be said. And I think there's still a long a, a long wave to be written here. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited about it, and I and I appreciate being on the journey with you. Oh, it's been great, and I, I'm really looking forward to the next 100. I I think that the uh, um, uh, the, the the this has been one of the most delightful experiences in my life. It's been it's been um, uh, maybe the product of the rest of my life because the the experiences of of the first uh, uh, you know 30 years of my existence in, in, in or rather career has been building up to this because if you think about it you know 
I cite over and over again these these great other disruptions, and uh, um, um, and now I feel like I finally figured out enough to be able to participate in this one in the right way. Um, but yep. uh, but that's that's anyway that's that's how we uh, that's how we roll. Excellent. Well. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. Uh, looking forward to having you here at episode 200, and we'll do a, we'll do a, another retrospective at that point. <laughs> <laughs>